Hi, I'm Noy Mahoney with Freight Waves. Welcome to Global Supply Chain Week. Joining me today is Joshua Rubin, Vice President of Business Development at Javid LLC, which helps manufacturing companies set up operations in Mexico. Today, we're going to talk about how to nearshore your operations into Mexico. Joshua, this is something I know you know a lot about. Looking forward to this discussion. Thank you for joining us. No, I thank you for inviting me today. I'm honored to be here, um, especially talking about something that I really enjoy doing. I feel that Mexico is a gem and not everyone knows about it. So I definitely feel that this conversation will help people understand the benefits and the potentials that, that Mexico has to offer. So before we jump into the uh, discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about your background in the industry and also about uh, Javid LLC and maybe some of, uh, some of your clients? Yeah. Um, so I've been with Javid LLC for about eight years. Um, I came out here right when I finished my training with the military. Um, I have been here, like I said, for eight years. I've, I've expanded all the departments that Javid has to offer, um, our human resources, accounting, um, customs, environmental health and safety, um, and tinkled a little bit with IT with certain programs that, that they have there. Um, I'm also executive board member of Index Nogales, which is the Maquiladora or Manufacturing Industry Association. Um, here in Mexico, and uh, I'm part of the one that's here for Nogales, Sonora. Um, I'm also executive board member of the Greater Nogales Santa Cruz County Port Authority, um, which is a group comprised of all local industries, fresh produce, the government of uh, Nogales, Arizona, CBP, um, Arizona government, um, maquiladora industry, and we here uh, push to facilitate trade among our southern border. Javid LLC is a Mexican shelter company. What we basically do is we help foreign companies open up manufacturing operations in Mexico. Um, there's many different ways of doing it, but in a sense, that's what we do. We provide our clients with the administrative departments of their company, being the human resources, accounting, customs, and environmental health and safety, and leave the actual manufacturing piece to our clients. Um, they'll take care of the, the trade, the knowledge of how to produce their product, what makes them money at the end of the day. We currently have 27 customers um, in 29 facilities. We rent over 1.8 million square feet for our clients, and I have over 3,500 employees working for my clients as well. Um, we have companies that are from three employees all the way over to over 700 employees. My clients can range from a different span of industries. You can have the medical, aerospace, automotive, electronics, um, military products, promotional products, furniture, construction, I mean, to the point I have a customer that every Starbucks that you walk into, they make the furniture for them. Um, the new Raider Stadium, all the box seats, they made all the furniture in there, which is something truly really interesting. Um, and then construction, all your water equipment. If you walk outside of your house, you'll see some kind of valves and probably one of my customers actually made those pressure valves for them. Um, you name it, I probably have a customer that makes something in that industry um, here just in Nogales, uh, Arizona or Nogales, Sonora. Yeah, I think that's something, you know, me and you, we work in the cross-border industry, and I think most people would be, it would blow their mind to learn how much product is actually made in Mexico, you know, product that they probably use every day, and they don't even know it came from Mexico. But uh, since I've been working in the industry, it really blows my mind, and I think it's just really cool. I agree. I agree. So... I'm going back to the shelter model for Mexico. I believe the concept for shelter models started in the 1980s. And I was wondering if you could tell us, you know, how do they work? Maybe some 
misconceptions? How much does it cost to operate in the shelter program? You know, what can you tell us about shelter models in particular? Yes, of course. Um, this is a, a question that we need to break down and, and digest it. Um, so a Mexican shelter company can operate in a few different ways, kind of like what I was mentioning above. Um, I am going to structure it around three different options, um, but depending on the shelter company, there could be different options that they can provide to you. Um, the first option, which is the most common and the most traditional and the way that most companies will start, would be that the shelter company has the legal entity in Mexico, and they're the ones that will provide you all the support. Um, what that means is that I hire the employees under my name, I rent the buildings under my name, um, all of the vendor expenses are sent to the shelter company and paid by the shelter company, that the company, the client has no existence in Mexico other than a name on their building that, that just relation, shows a relationship of who the building is. Um, but besides that, there is nothing in the Mexican government that states who that company is. They don't exist. The shelter company is who exists. Option two is, is a combination of option one. What option two would be is a company that says, I want to start up in Mexico and I want my own legal entity and I want it to be under my name. However, knowing that the time to be able to form that company is pretty lengthy, they'll come into a shelter company to start them up and they'll say, hey, I want to be with you for a year. I want to be here with two years and that's it. And then let me go on my own. So what that what that will happen is the same as option one. But the difference is that during the process, the shelter company is also creating that legal entity for them, helping them get their e-mix permit, which is the permit that allows them to import and export out of the country as a, as a manufacturing uh as a maquiladora, um, and helps them do that process. And then once it's fully established, then the shelter company releases everything to the standalone company, and then the company goes on. And then option three is a hybrid of the two. Um, there's companies for some reason that they want to have their own operation and they want it underneath the, their legal entity, the way their corporations work. Um, and they want to say, I want it to be under my entity or they already have the legal entity in Mexico, but they want a shelter company to, to take care of the administrative departments. So it's a combination of both that, that the shelter company can come in, run the H, the human resources, the accounting, the customs, and the environmental underneath the company's legal entity. Um, so that's, that's a combination of the two that, that you can work um, and the three options that I would consider as, as how the shelter models can work and how that concept could be taken on. Now, for the misconceptions, the main misconception that I would say is that the people will come to a shelter company thinking that we're subcontractors. And at the end of the day, we're not a subcontractor. We are a company that is helping U.S. or foreign companies open up manufacturing operations. Um, a subcontractor, I have a, I have a few clients that are subcontractors as well as other shelter companies. So we get a lot of phone calls. Um, throughout the year saying, I'm looking for someone to produce me these bags. Um, we say, okay, do you want to open up your own operation? They say, no, I want someone to do it for me. Okay, so you're looking for a subcontractor, not a shelter. There are shelters that have subcontractors, companies on the side that are underneath the shelter that are owned by them or clients, like I said, that can help them provide that. I would say that's probably the big misconception is that the difference in understanding what those two are. Now, Talking about cost, this is a very um, detailed question to, to be able to break down. And in the cost, and, and to, to be quite frank, shelter companies charge their shelter fees based off of your headcount. 
So if we're going into what does the shelter cost, it's based off your headcount. There'll be a cost per hour associated to how many employees you probably have. That's the way most shelters will charge. Now, if you want to actually look at what the cost is of being in a shelter, um, it's always going to be cheaper to be under a shelter than be on a standalone. Um, but that's not the only reason why companies choose to not be in a shelter. It's not always due to cost, the reasons why they want to be independent. It could be a corporation. It could be a company that that is a very large company and wants their own standing. So there's different reasons in there. But cost-wise, being under a shelter is always going to be cheaper. Why is that? Shelter companies are experts at economies of scale. We understand how to invest in really, let's just use headcount, our employees. I've invested a lot of money to ensure that I have the best managers running my departments and that those managers have the best employees working in those departments. A typical company of, say, 100 employees isn't going to be able to, to shed that cost of those employees. So how do shelters benefit or how do shelters provide that benefit to the companies is we're able to get a high level manager at a decent salary for those people, but spread the cost across all the clients around there. So we're able to provide one client, a, a manager of a very high caliber at a very small fractional price, as well as they have access to all my staff or all the shelter staff. So there could be shelters that have 100 employees just in the staff, or they can have shelters that have two, 300 employees, and that client has access to all of those employees. So it's very interesting you brought up, you know, the economies of scale and how shelter companies like yours, that, that benefits uh, manufacturers that want to open in Mexico, which sort of leads me to my next question, which is what are some of the advantages of, you know, manufacturers using shelter companies like yours, like Javid uh, in Mexico? You know, what are the strategic advantages, operational advantages? You know, I've heard in Mexico, it's not only important to know how but to know who. So can you talk a little more about that? Yes. Um, and nowadays, that couldn't be any more sure. Um, back in the past, um, being a smaller operation, you would still get the same kind of pool as a bigger corporation um, just because of the investment look at and, and, the, and the foresight of what the company was doing. Um, one thing in opening up an operation is, is it's difficult, one, to open up an operation, say, in the United States, if you're already in the United States. That's already complicated in itself. Try doing it in a country that you don't understand the laws. Um, you don't understand maybe the language. Um, you have that barrier in between you that, that you think in the U.S. you're able to do it streamlined, but in Mexico it's a little bit more complicated. Shelter companies provide an amazing amount of resources and and uh, experience, at least on the administrative side, which is the very critical part of how to import, export, how to hire employees, make sure that everything's in legal compliance. Um, and at the end of the day, we, we provide that legal framework or the expertise to our clients um, for at least the administrative side of a company. Um, and then a shelter company at the end of the day is your partner. Um, they share the same um, goals in mind as your operation might, as a company's operation might. So a company's goal is to, to get the product out and increase the sales. We want the same thing for our clients because that means if you're successful, we're successful. So that's what we're looking for. And unfortunately, being a company, say, using 100 employees as the example, nowadays is you won't get as much pull from the government as you would, say, a company of 5,000 employees. 
that's where the benefit going into the same thing of economies of scale that you have with a shelter company. A shelter company isn't representing one company. Um, to the Mexican government, it might be just one one shelter company, but that one shelter company represents maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 different companies, three, four, five, six, 10 to 20,000 employees. Um, and when you go to the Mexican government and say, hey, I need help in this, it, you're gonna get a lot more attention because that's a lot of employees that the that the government is getting from from the shelter company, whereas one company might not be as successful. I'm not saying that that one company that's one uh, 100 employees isn't going to get the same attention. They'll still get the same attention. However, you might get a little bit more expedited when you're seeing that something that that a new process that the government is putting is in, uh, affecting a company that has 5,000 employees versus 100 employees, it might have a little bit more pull on that one in leniency. And finally, um, one thing that I wanted to add on, on a huge advantage that Mexico has is the, the laws protecting intellectual properties. Mexico recognizes and protects the patents, the utility models, the industrial um, know-how, the trade secrets of companies from other locations, which is something that we don't see in other, um, in other countries. So Mexico definitely wants to respect and wants to ensure that the products that come into Mexico from other countries remain that company's products and it doesn't get uh, manipulated or skewed and another company gets formed to to be able to um, to resell it at a lower price or affect the company. So Mexico's really strong on their interpersonal or their intellectual properties and they're strictly adhere to them. Um, and punishment can be pretty steep for companies that want to not um, abide by that. So I would say the advantages of that one and, and using a shelter company in the economies of scale concept definitely is a huge reason why um, shelter companies are, are beneficial. So when uh, a company does come to Javid, uh, you know, how quickly on average, you know, if they're using the shelter model, how quickly can a manufacturer get their operations up and running in Mexico and their product to market, like how fast could the turnaround be? That's that's going to be a pretty quick uh, answer, luckily. Um, for shelters, uh, we typically advertise about 90 days to get a company started up. Um, and it's because if you're going to use our legal entity, we already have the permits, we already have the licenses. It's very minor things that we need to be able to get a company started. Um, at the most, it's, it's getting the company uh, registered, the location that the, that the facility needs uh, associated to our EMIX, the permit that allows us to import and export. Um, and then after that, it's just little tweaks and little things that we have to do uh, administratively, and then the company's able to start. Um, so very quickly, they can start in their shelter. Whereas if they wanted to go on their own, it could take a year, a little bit more to be able to get some of the permits, the bank's accounts, the, the legal entity formed and everything like that. And so I know... You know, Mexico has been an attractive manufacturing base, you know, for decades. But from your perspective, has the COVID-19 pandemic, has that, you know, accelerated companies looking to nearshore to Mexico? Yes, it has. Um, it has in in two different ways. I, I did mention the pack, the part of the subcontracting. Um, I've received more calls last year than I think we've ever received um, of people wanting to expand operations in Mexico. A lot of it had to do with subcontracting. Um, 
which we, we as shelter companies, we're all located through all of Mexico. So we're able to help them or point them to the right direction to a possible client that we already have um, or a subcontractor that can help them. However, something that was interesting that I found uh, last year strictly um, more towards the end of third quarter and fourth quarter, once people started getting adjusted to the new lifestyle of living with COVID, um, was the company started to change the model. Before it was, hey, I want to shut down half of my operation and move it into Mexico. Um, and then I want to grow my U.S. operation and grow my Mexico operation. Or I want to close down China completely and move it all into Mexico. What we started seeing was that companies now want to start diversifying their operation and saying, I want to have a little sell here in the U.S., a little sell in Mexico, and reduce my sell in China so that if something happens, I'm still able to manufacture. Um, there wasn't necessarily I want to pull out 100% out of China because there's still benefits of operating in China. There's still benefits of operating in the U.S. and there's still benefits of operating in Mexico. But they said, I don't want to be restricted to one country or one location. And then I get shut down for a pandemic or something else happens. And then I'm left not being able to supply my customers. So we did start seeing a lot of companies want to diversify their, their operation by creating additional locations. Maybe not. They maybe had 100,000 square feet in China and another 100 in, in, in the U.S. And they want to say, you know what, let's do... 50 China, 50 Mexico, and 100 in, in, in U.S. and reduce our employees by that same um, footprint. Um, so the trends that we're seeing is definitely that that they want to have a, a span um, to be able to make sure that their operation doesn't get affected drastically. So Joshua, I also wanted to ask, I was curious, what products can be manufactured in Mexico and what parts of Mexico are best, you know, as a, uh, like manufacturing clusters. What can you tell us about that? That's a great question. Um, every time I speak to potential clients, they, they always get shocked when I start talking about what type of products would be made in, in Mexico. For quick, the answer is almost anything. Um, there's only certain limitations on ITAR uh, products, which are like the military and government products, and then weapons and ammunition are prohibited. Other than that, it's pretty much open game for you to manufacture and produce what you want. Um, however, Part of that is is that you'd want to work with the shelter company that, that you choose or the shelter company that, that you want to work with to find which locations are the best locations to be in. And why do I say that is because there are clusters in, in Mexico of what's big, for example. Um, aerospace, for example, in Sonora, the state of Sonora, Mexico is huge. Um, we have over 300 aerospace companies working in um in Mexico alone, in Sonora, um, Gulfstream, Bombardier, Lear, for example. And then you can find certain industries all over the place, like wire harnesses and electronics. You can probably find a good portion of those, no matter where you go, that there's a manufacturing operation, you'll be able to find that in Sonora for, or in Mexico, for example. Um, but, there, but there is clusters. Chihuahua, for example, is really big with textiles. Um, Tijuana is a, a, a little small hub for medical industry. So there's definitely big clusters all over the place that you can find. And that's where the shelter companies definitely can help you in finding a, a great location for you to manufacture. But when it comes into the products, you can manufacture anything. And, and the area um, is more tailored to the industry, not necessarily where is it better. Is it better to manufacture in, on the northern border if you're in Mexico? or if you're better to be in the cent in central Mexico, that, that really doesn't dictate too much. It's more what your industry is and what you're looking to manufacture.
So Joshua, we are running out of time. It's been a pleasure to chat. Uh, great to see you as always. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we'll, we'll be looking forward to having you back on again soon. With that, I'm Noy Mahoney with Freight Waves. Thank you, Joshua Rubin, uh, Vice President of Business Development at Javid. Have, everyone have a great day. Thank you.